Our reading today is Psalm 80. It's, you can find it on page 404 of your Bible. If you'd like to read along and you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and someone will bring it to you. And if you would like to have a Bible at home and you don't have one, we'd be happy for you to take one of these home with you. Psalm 80. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God, make your face shine on us that we may be saved. How long, Lord God Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears, you have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us an object of derision to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the seas, its shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, and insects from the fields feed on it. Return to us, God Almighty, look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine, the root your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down, it is burned with fire, at your rebuke your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you, revive us, and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty, make your face shine on us that we may be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. <laughs> I'm not used to that silence, but get this turned on. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would quiet our hearts this evening, that you would speak to us, that you would bless us as we gather before you. I pray a special blessing on this evening, Lord, and I ask it in your son's name. Amen. How many know what this is? Tell me what it is then. It's what? Okay, well, what's it called? It's exactly right. It's a shape sorter. I didn't, I didn't know that, and I didn't think anybody else would know it. But, <laughs> but, uh, but that's what that is. It's a shape sorter. And um, this toy is a little bit like our church. There are many pieces, and there's no instructions that come with it. And 
children figure it out by the time that they're two years old, but most people never figure out the church. They never quite understand the church. And in this set, none of the pieces are missing. And that's an important thing to remember. And that's another whole sermon, but when you go home, you can think about that. None of the pieces are missing. Well, today we're going to ask a couple of difficult questions. And the first one is, is do you come to church or are you the church? That's the question. When you speak about Cornerstone, do you say they do this or do you say we do this? And do you know where you fit in the church here? Do you know that God has shaped you? And as you look at these pieces behind me, what piece are you? What do you identify with? Many people go to church their whole life and never end up being really a part of the church. And this is important. Many people don't realize that throughout history, God dealt with people as groups, not as individuals. And this psalm is an example of, of a group of people crying out to God in song, crying out as one people, crying out to God, expecting that God would save them all as one people. These people understood the value of being a church and they understood the benefits of everybody coming before God as one people. And they also understood how the results of some of them falling into sin actually affected the whole community. And these people had left their place of blessings. These were people that once were very blessed of God, but now they're in a bad place where God is no longer blessing them. Well, today is kind of a, a you know, in our society, people are very independent. And it's a time of independence. It's not a time of families, churches, and community. Most people think of themselves as individuals, and um, we miss out on a lot of the blessings that God has for us because of that, because we just consider ourselves as individuals. And we also reap the troubles that plague uh, our churches, and we have weak families, weak communities, and weak nations. And it's very easy. Um, Coming up in a couple of weeks is the National uh, Day of Prayer. And a lot of times at these National Days of Prayer, what people do is they look at society and they see they want to blame everybody for all of the bad stuff that's happening. Instead of taking the blame on ourselves as the church, as the people of God, we're the people of God, and we're the ones that God looks to when he decides whether he's going to bless our country or not to bless our country or bless our community and our families. So that's an important thing to remember as we go into that. And this psalm teaches us to think like a church, like a group of people who are connected as one body. 
And what I'm going to do is I want to go through the psalm, a couple verses at a time, and look at it and, and see what's in there. It's big enough so you can see it, right? Pretty much? Okay. So verses 1 to 3 says, Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face to shine on us that we might be saved. Notice that no one, nowhere here does it say, hear me, O God. Instead, we hear, hear us, save us, restore us, make your face to shine on us that we might be saved. The next verse, verses, how long, Lord God Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people. You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us an object of derision. And if some of you are like me and didn't, never saw that word derision before, that means um, <coughs> contempt, ridicule, or shame. Uh, and so an object of shame to our neighbors and our enemies mock us. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face to shine on us that we might be saved. As these people sang this song, they bowed before God as a community, as one people, as a church, asking God to save them. You may be thinking that God deals with you as individuals, and he does. That's somewhat true. Um, each of us stands before God and must come to God by faith. But God also deals with us as a group of people, as a church. Let's look at the next section. You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it and, you took it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea, its shoots as far as the river. God prepared a special place for his people. He blessed them as a unit, as a people, as a nation. And God's desire for his people would that they would be blessed more than any of the other people that were on earth. God loved them. And that's the way God feels about you too. God loves you. He loves his people. He loves his church. But these people, they began to look at the blessings of God and they kind of forgot about God. They, like many of us, rejoice more about being blessed than being connected to God. And that was a mistake that they made. They wanted all of the stuff that God was giving them more than they wanted God himself. So they wanted stuff, but they didn't want to have a relationship with God. 
This is the problem as praying as individuals. We can become obsessed with ourselves and not with God. We can begin to long for what God can provide for us rather than longing for God. And that's a mistake because it's not worth anything. All of the stuff is not really as important as God himself. We begin to lose sight of what's really important and we focus on ourselves at the cost of our families, our churches, and our community. And I have this little illustration for you. You know when, you, when you're, I don't know, I don't think girls do this, but boys do this. When they're like eight or ten years old, all of the boys in the neighborhood get together and they're going to build a what? A club, right. And so they all get together and they work really hard and they build this little thing. It might be out of pallets. It could be whatever it is. But it, and it's all fun and everything's going good until it's finished. And when it's finished, one person says, I'm the king of the club or something. Or whatever they say. What, what do they say? I'm the, I'm the boss. I'm whatever. And then it all falls apart, doesn't it? All of that good stuff that was taking place, all of that working together is gone because now one person wants to rise up above the rest. And in the church, it's like that. If you don't care about the people in your community, in your church, or your family, and families go, wrong this way too. People in a family start thinking about themselves and not caring about their spouses or their children as much as they care about themselves. It never has a good ending. And so what started off to be a situation where God desired to bless people with the very best turns into conflict and, and friction. The next verse, verses, why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest rage against it, it, against it and the insects from the field feed on it. These people that were once so blessed now realize their blessing is completely dried up. They've gone from uh, from good to bad, and they're so caught up in themselves that they don't know why. So they cry out to God, and they cry out to God, and they say, why? And we too can have our minds clouded like that. We can become, um, come to God and receive all of his grace and his mercy, but then begin to focus on ourselves and our blessings and all that God is doing for us and we focus on the gift and not on the giver it's very easy to do as I said in in the you know with the national day of prayer so many are going to be gathered all around and they're going to be praying for families and for schools and really, there's only one thing that needs to be prayed for, and that's that people would repent of their sin of selfishness and begin to care about other people. That's the one need 
that would bring everything together. And we'll talk a little bit later on about how that was exactly what Jesus did when he walked on the earth. He forgot about himself. And he, he took on all of our sin. And he loved us. Even at the cost of his own life. Verses 14 and 15. It says, Return to us, God Almighty. Look down from the heavens and see. Watch over this vine, the root of your right hand, that your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. The people cry, return to us, God. We are your children, we are your people, we are your church. And they're crying out to God to return to them. I don't think God really left the people. I think the people left God. And if you feel that way, if you feel in your life that God has kind of abandoned you, look around and see if you're the one that's walking or if it's God. Verse 16 says, Your vine is cut down and it's burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. These people know that they're in trouble. Once again, as a body, they cry out to him. They cry out to God. And then verses 17 to 19. So let your hand rest upon the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord Almighty, Lord God Almighty. Make your face to shine on us that we might be saved. Let your hand rest upon us. Make your face shine upon us. That's what these people needed, and that's what we need here today. I want to put this back up and give you the question again for today is, do you come to church, or are you part of the church? Do you long for the blessings of God or do you long for God himself? Think about this hard. Think about that. What do you long for in your life? Do you long for God? Or do you just long for the stuff that God can give you? The greatest blessings are not the gift, but the giver. Do you long to see God at work in this place? So this is our church. How much do you care about the people that are sitting next to you, that are sitting around you? Do you really care about them more than you care about yourself? And it's important because if you begin to think about yourself more than the people around you, then when you go home, you're going to do the same thing. I've seen so many families and I've counseled so many couples that each one of the couples were looking for what was good for them and not caring about the other person. There's one pastor of one of the biggest churches in the world years ago, he said, I don't counsel couples. I just send them home and tell them to fast and pray and to seek God, because there's really only one thing that people need, 
in that was for them to start considering the other before themselves. Now, I don't know that I would take that stand, but there's a lot of truth to what he had to say. Well, so are you, I, have you figured out how the church works? You, you, how many of you know how this works? You know, right? I mean, it's pretty easy, and yet uh, Noah's little sister, this is her toy, and you recognize it. And um, so far, if, if she takes one of the, little, the pieces and she gets it right, then she thinks all of the pieces will fit in that hole. Hasn't figured it out quite yet, but she's not two yet, so she'll figure it out. But what about you? Have you figured out how this church thing works? Have you really figured it out? Well, to become a um, part of a church, each one of us must come to the cross. The cross is the entry place into the church. And that's because all of us are saved by grace through faith. And the, and the church is the, is the people who rely on Jesus for their salvation and the, their eternal life. You, you, can, you can't be a true part of this church unless you come to the cross. In, in the toy on the screen, there's five holes and there's ten pieces. But in the church, there's only one way into the church. And that is through the shed blood of Jesus. In John 16, I'm sorry, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's how the church works. That's the entryway into the church. If you've never entered a church, tonight is the time to come. Uh, it's the time for you. All that is needed for you is to come to the cross of Jesus and to Ask God to forgive you of your sin. And like these people in this psalm, cry out to God and say, God, save me. Save me, God. I'm lost. I'm not part of your family. I've lost it. I've gone astray. And tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to pray a prayer together. And it's a prayer that reflects what, what we've learned in this psalm. And so... I'm going to put that up, and I'd like each of you to, to pray this prayer with me, and we'll go through it rather slow, mostly because I'm dyslexic, and if I go too fast, I won't be able to do it. So let's, let's pray together. Our God and our Savior, tonight we cry out to you. We pray that you would forgive us of our past sins and teach us to be your people your church. We thank you for your son Jesus who died for us that we might become your children. Come and save us, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and make your face to shine upon us. Help us to love as you loved, to see as you live. See, give us a love for each other, member of your family here, this church as well as a love for our families and our communities. Give us a pure love that is not self-seeking. Let us... 
upon us. And God, help us to desire you above all else. May we rejoice in you and you alone. Save us, O God. Amen. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. And if today, if this is the first time you prayed a prayer like this and you actually called out to God and said, God, forgive me, God, save me, then you can know that your sins have been forgiving, forgiven and that God has saved you. He has said he would forgive your sins and he would save you if you called out to him. He will put your Holy Spirit in you and he will love you and cause his face to shine upon you. And he will make you one of his children, a part of this church. God bless you all. Thank you.